that the first name that we're going to examine today, and it was already addressed a little bit by Ed, is Elohim. It's the second word if you go in the Hebrew. It's the fourth word if you read it in the English. In the beginning, God. But I want to start with this first verse in 1 Kings chapter 8. Verse 27 through 29. And as I do these lessons, I'm going to insert within the scriptures the actual Hebrew name and then what that name means whenever names of God takes place in the Old Testament. Okay? Because the New Testament was just God or Lord or Savior. They didn't have all these different names in the New Testament. But in the Hebrew, we will show that. And for those who are interested, there is a Bible. This is one of them. It's called God's Name Bible. And so basically the entire Bible has in red letters or in bold black, wherever God's name occurs, it's shown there in the original uh, transliteration of the Hebrew. And so it's very cool as you go through it. Whenever you get a name for the first time, there's a little breakout that describes it. and There's a lot of other cool stuff. So if you guys are interested in that, it's a great Bible. You can also get it digitally as well. But let us read in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27. But will God, Elohim, really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. You give attention to your servant's prayer. And his plea for mercy, Lord, which is the Yahweh, my God, Elohim, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this temple, night and day. This place of which you said, my name shall be there so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. This was a prayer of Solomon at the inauguration of the temple, a temple that was commanded to be built in his, and the actual word, name. Not his actual name, just name, but capitalized. In other words, he has so much meaning to who he is, he just, just built it in my name. And that word name is supposed to represent all that God is. But for us to understand the name, we got to read and understand all the names that are attributed to the name, our Yahweh, our Elohim, and so many more. And so that's why we believe this journey is so important. Because we want to be in that new temple in His name. Do we not? You know, when we say at the end of the prayer, in His name, it's not just some little abracadabra. There's power in claiming in His name, Jesus, or in God's name. Okay? And we're going to see that as we go through. But again, we see the first word, Elohim. Okay? And this is how you pronounce it, Elohim. And this is a good name to begin with because it's the first name of God in the Bible. So if you're ever wondering what the Bible who is about who the main character is? Well, the very first name mentioned is Elohim. That is who the Bible is about. We find it in Genesis 1.1. It was read earlier. In the beginning, Elohim created heaven and earth. Now, Elohim, as Ed mentioned, is plural. The El in Elohim means mighty or strong. Now, what is unique to Elohim is that the hymn ending, as Ed referred to, is in the plural form, indicating more than one. However, something very unique takes place with this plural form, Elohim, of God. 
In the Scriptures, wherever we find the word Elohim, it's followed by a verb that's singular. Now, we all know who are grammar students, that doesn't sound right. For example, it would say, they creates. Does that sound right? But that is what the Bible just said. Elohim, they creates. It's singular. So though it's past tense, created, it's still in the singular form. So though Elohim's plural, the verb is saying that it is one. Isn't that interesting? Now, we uh, unfortunately don't really appreciate the power of that, but literally for 400 years of Christianity, it was a hotly debated topic of what this means, the Trinity and Him being one. Are they three separate that are then united, or are they one with three attributes? And it just went back and forth, and literally hundreds of years of debates, even splits in the Christian church over this issue alone. It's a fascinating history. I'm glad we're not worrying about it today. The point is, it is more than one, but it's one. And though we can't truly understand that, and it makes no sense grammatically, we just need to accept it. Amen? Because everywhere you see Elohim, it's followed by a singular verb. So how do we understand or define Elohim? Well, the first verb that follows his name is going to give us an idea, right? Because how do you know what anything is until you see what it does? Like if you never knew what a runner is, you just go, what's that? But the minute I say the runner runs, now you know what runner means, right? right? Because of the verb. Oh, he's running, runner, got it. Right. right. A drawer. Artist. Draws. If I just say artist, you go, what's that? If I say the artist draws, now you immediately know, okay, whoever this artist is, it involves drawing. Do you get it? So if we want to understand Elohim, what does this mean? We know that its root is mighty and strong because of El. What does Elohim mean? The first word ever attributed to the name Elohim is what? Created. Now, this is a cool word. Here's the Hebrew word, bara, for created, which means to create. It's an action, and this is super important, by which something that has not existed before is brought into being. That's different than you created an amazing meal. You didn't create that out of nothing. You already had pre-existing ingredients. When this word is used in reference to God, it's saying He created something from nothing. How powerful is that? I mean, let's be honest. Mankind can create a lot of things, but really, they've never been able to create something out of nothing. They've had to create out of something God already created. That's right. And the funny thing, too, is the difference between God's creation and man's creations. God creates things out of nothing that continue to exist. Everything we create is dead material. Right? Right? Right. Well, wait wait a minute. What about children? You didn't create that. God created you to be able to create that. That's right. Right? right. Now, there's things we can create, but we create it with something. You've always heard that joke, right? You know, oh God, you created, like, I could do that too. It's like, okay, 
Create something. Well, give me the... No, no, you get your own dirt. Right? This is what bara means. This is what Elohim means. So now we understand if you put those two together, Elohim really means mighty creator. That's what Elohim means. It's all powerful. And see, we really need to understand. And it says He created the heavens, plural, and the earth, singular, out of nothing. Hebrews 11.3 adds this. By faith. Because again, we can't understand this. Science tries. But by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. See, I, I think we got to stop for a minute and just think about that aspect of God. Elohim, mighty creator, out of nothing. He created all that we see. That's pretty powerful. Why do you think it's important that from the very beginning, and we now know what the beginning means, which is pretty powerful in itself, that God feels one of the first attributes we need to know and understand about Him is being a mighty creator. Why, Why do we think that's important? Well, let's go more toward the ending to understanding the beginning. Romans 1, verse 18 through 20. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Do you realize what that verse just said? That through His creation alone, not even using a Bible, not even having Christian faith, not even having Jesus, we can know about God. We can know about His Creator, mighty qualities. But our wickedness suppresses the truth. Our selfishness makes us not see it. And see, I think we got to stop and smell the roses, literally. We gotta stop and appreciate this mighty creator, what he has done. You know, Elohim is mentioned, the mighty creator is mentioned 35 times in just the first chapter. You go through it, you'll find his name there, Elohim, 35 times in just the first chapter. Elohim overall in the scriptures is mentioned over 2,000 times. So get your notes out. we got a lot of words to go through. I'm just kidding. We're not going to go through all 2,000 mentions of Elohim. Okay? But that's how amazing this name is. It's all through the Scriptures. I want to encourage you on your own time, go back and read the creation stories. And it is stories. There's the account in chapter 1 and 2. And then there's the account in chapter 3. And I think, well, why do you call them creation stories? Well, for those who got a little more background, the Old Testament, the actual book of Genesis, 
may have been comprised of several different writings. And one of the ways they know this is because of the name that is used of God. There's actually four possible contributors to the Torah. And they believe it's either Yahwist, because wherever Yahweh is used instead of Elohim, that was the writings of those who used Yahweh. There's the Elohist, which is those who used Elohim. Then there's the priestly ones, because they add more elements even within the Torah, even in Genesis, more of a priestly background. And then there's the Deuteronomic, those who really involve the law more. And if you actually break up the Torah, you can begin to see where, oh, it switched from Yahweh to Elohim. Or it switched to priestly. Or it switched to Deuteronomic. That shouldn't scare you. It's still God's sovereignty. He pulled this together. And how it was really done, we may never know for sure. But when He speaks, things are done. And it's His Word, even if it was done through different perceptions. But as you go back and read the creation stories, I want you to consider these questions, okay? So write these down. Is it important to know that God created the heavens and earth? I want you to really think about that. Is it important? Why or why not? Why would that be important? What is the significance of God creating all that is seen from nothing? Or that which is not visible. Why, why is that significant? I think we all can just say immediately, you ever feel like there's a situation that just cannot change based on the present circumstances? You go, God, this can't... God can do something out of nothing. That's right. So if He can do something out of nothing, can He do something with your something? Amen. Absolutely. But think of that question deeper. Why is it important... To know the beginning of something. I think today we got a real wake-up call of how important the beginning is. First of all, a beginning infers there's an ending. And we got both of those today in just the first word of the Hebrew Torah. What do you learn about God's character by looking at His creation? Do you see creativity? Man, just pull up, just go to a zoo. Right. And just look at the different creatures. God is just playing creative. Yes. He was having fun up there. I mean, why that? Why this there? Why not that? Why this kind of hair? Why not hair? Why scales? Why this color? Why that? I mean, you just start to examine his creativity. It's it's blow away. Now, unfortunately, because what man builds is dead matter and replaces God's creative matter, we don't get to see the beauty of His creativity often. You have to go somewhere like Maui to appreciate, wow, He is creative. Like, how all this works together. What about His order? Is there order in what He did? Absolutely. You take one thing out of the creation, the whole thing can fall apart. You take away the sun, how are we going to do? Yeah, not good. Not good, right? If you take away the air, how are you going to do? If you take away bees completely from this planet, we all have seen the movies, what can happen? Yeah. You know, right? I mean, really, it's like the order of how... It, I mean, just take your own body for a minute. The order. 
How weird would it have been if he put the mouth on the other side? <laughs> or he gave you no hands and now you have to go like this. Right? right. There's order. It's amazing. Those of us who are parents, especially the women, but if the, the father got to be there in that moment, how all that works to bring into life a new child. It, it's, it's blowing. I don't know how doctors can't be believers. There are some who aren't, but it's just, how? The order. What about the wisdom in His creation? Because He didn't just like go, blah! Here you go! Oh, did it work? No, no, there was wisdom involved. There was knowledge, there's understanding of physics and, and mathematics and all these things that we hate having to learn. He just knew it. There's wisdom in all of it. So I think we got to stop and smell the roses if we want to appreciate Elohim. It's incredible, amen? amen? But then this last question. What is different about His creation, within creation, of humanity? Because guys, it is special. It is different. You only have to look at this room alone and compare it to the whole animal kingdom and you begin to see the differences. There's something special. It doesn't mean we're greater than His other creations, but He chose to do something very unique with us. He breathed into existence. That's how powerful He is. The mighty Creator, everything. And then with that dirt, He blew again. Another creation. Now with women... He would only use the advanced piece of bone. Right there you see the difference between men and women. Guys are made of dirt. Women were made from a bone. There you go. But that's, not, that's only the two creations he blew in. He actually blew a third. Do you know what it is? All Scripture is God breathed. Three. Three creations that God spoke, breathed into existence. How important do you think the Word of God is if it's compared to these other two amazing creations? Right. right? This is incredible. So go back and read the creation and let these questions just make you think and, and just dream and just be enlightened by Elohim, our mighty Creator. See, everything that He created exists for a reason. God wanted it to exist. That's why. Now, that doesn't mean some things that exist today were God's creation. Like evil. Like sin. Those are our choices. That's from our free will. God didn't create those. He allowed it because He allows free will. But everything He created, He created for a purpose. And He actually created it to be eternal, didn't He? But sin messed up the plan. But God already had an answer. Even before He told us how He created it, we just learned today He already had the plan of how to fix it. Isn't that amazing? That's how powerful our God is. So, why? That's the question. Why then did He create the heavens and the earth? Because that's the first sentence. It didn't get to man until much later. Why did He create it? What was His purpose? Isaiah 45.18 actually answers that question. For this is what the Lord, Yahweh, says. 
He who created the heavens, He is God, Elohim. He who fashioned and made the earth, He founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am Lord, Yahweh, and there is no other. Why did He create it, guys? Not just to have something pretty on a postcard. He wanted it to be inhabited by a very special creation. You. He wanted it to be eternal. But sin messed it up. But He has a plan for that because He's mighty. Why did He create it? Why did Elohim, our mighty Creator, do it? Because He wanted community. Look in Genesis 1.26. It alludes to this. Then God, Elohim, said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground. We see immediately the plural nature of Elohim. As it states, Let us make mankind in our image in our likeness. But then the question comes, okay, I get Elohim, God, El. He was part of that creation. He's part of that image. He's part of that likeness. But who are the others? Well, let's find those out. Psalm 104, verse 29. Who else is in this Elohim that created? Verse 29 says, When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, and the actual Hebrew word there is ruach, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, exact same word, ruach, they are, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. Breath, Holy Spirit, one and the same. The Spirit basically is just God breath. God's speaking into existence. God moving in His creation. That's why, guys, when you open up this Word, it's no newspaper. It's not a magazine. It's not a textbook. It is God's Spirit moving, creating, renewing, reforming, and yet you just go like this. And you don't want that? that? That's what you're doing. When you ignore this, you're ignoring an opportunity for Elohim. God, and now we know the Holy Spirit. Did you see what that just said? If you play spirit instead of just breath, because it's the same word, if God would remove His Spirit right now from this world, from this creation, we would cease to exist. So even someone who says, I don't believe in God, they don't exist without God. They don't exist without the Holy Spirit. Now, they don't have it in them. But they are here because of it. Yes. And they live through it. And that spirit, that powerful spirit that can wipe out mankind or create us from the stuff out of nothing is what's in us as disciples of Jesus. How powerful is that? So who's the Elohim? It's El, God, the Mighty One. And it's the Holy Spirit, the very breath of God. Mind, spirit, wind, that's what ruach can mean. And if God would remove that spirit, we would return to dust. Wow. Thank you, God. 
When you wake up every morning, literally, thank you, God. The very breath you have is because of His breath. <laughs> How cool is that? He was the original CPR. Okay? That's why we're here today. And He literally spoke, breathed it all into existence. That's how powerful He is. That's how powerful His Word is. That's how powerful you can be in His creation if you allow Him to use you. But two, it's not really plural, that's just kind of a pair. This idea of Elohim seems to be like more than two. So who, who else is in this mighty Creator? Colossians 1 verse 15, a great verse. And I've boldened some phrases here which are very interesting. The Son, as we saw in the very beginning, that's in the very first word of the Hebrew Bible, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Seven times in six verses, Paul mentions all. All creation. All things. Everything. To show that Christ is supreme over all. Why was this important? Because a beginning implies there's an ending. The mighty Creator, Elohim, has an ending in mind through the Holy Spirit and Christ. Let's turn quickly to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Elohim is the mighty Creator, God, Son, and Holy Spirit, that created the heavens and the earth to be inhabited. That same Elohim makes us a new creation... Why? So that we can take the message about our mighty Creator to this fallen world. Why? Because He had an end in mind. Revelations 21, first part of verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has had passed away. Sin Messed up the beginning. But God had an ending in mind in the beginning. <laughs> and it would take Jesus, the supreme, 
through whom all things were created, through all things are held together. Guys, without Jesus, we're not together. We're not. Most of us wouldn't even be friends in the world. But Jesus, He can hold us together. So if you're not close individually to Jesus, you can't be close to the body of Jesus. He's what holds us together. And you ever seen that video of Laminin? What Laminin is? It's a thing that's like the glue between our cells. And when you actually look at the laminin, it's shaped like a cross. Literally, we are held together, every single one of us, by Jesus. It's the coolest thing ever. I should have had that image up there. I'll have to add that the next time. Elohim wants us to be messengers to mankind in order for a new heaven and a new earth to be inhabited for eternity. Guys, that's what we've been called to do. So do Christians, did the early disciples believe in praying to Elohim? They were Greek. They didn't use a Hebrew name. They didn't refer to God as the mighty creator. Really? Really? Guys, the first century disciples absolutely believed in Elohim, the mighty creator. When they were faced with persecution because they were called to deliver a message about Elohim, they went to God in prayer, and here's what it says in Acts 4, verse 24, New Living Translation. When they heard the report about the persecution, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God, O Sovereign God, All-Powerful One, Creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. When the disciples were faced with the persecution because of delivering a message to a new heaven and a new earth that needs to be inhabited, what did they do? They didn't go, Father, Abba. They went, Mighty Creator. They absolutely knew Elohim. They even said specifically so that we know who they're praying to. Sovereign, Creator of heaven and earth and the sea. And everything in it. How important is us understanding the mighty Creator? Super important. And you continue the prayer, and this is how it ends in verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. That's kind of cool because if you continue Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and then it says the Spirit hovers over the deep. Shakes it. Vibrates. And then creation existed. Right now, he's going, okay, guys, I know you're facing persecution. I know that these people rather have the old heaven and earth that's going to fade one day, and you're trying to invite them to the new heaven and new earth, and they don't understand. But guess what? You prayed to me. I'm the almighty Elohim, the mighty creator. I'm going to shake your hearts. I'm going to shake your minds. In fact, I'm just going to shake the place you're praying in. And then it says this about them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Ruach. Part of the Elohim. And then they, re- they preached the Word of God with boldness. Guys, if we're not bold in our mission, our evangelism, we don't appreciate Elohim. We don't. That's why this is so important. When they prayed to Elohim, the very next thing that happened is they were released into the world to preach about Him. Guys, I don't want us just to learn today, oh, Elohim, that's cool, it's plural, great, that's awesome. It's the triune God. Wow, He's mighty creator. No, I want it to release us. I want it to show us that we are now ambassadors 
of the new heaven and the new earth that is coming. That if we truly appreciate Elohim, then we're going to be launched into this world to talk about Him. And if we face persecution, we're going to pray to that Elohim because He can create something out of nothing. (laughs) So He can easily do something with our something. And so guys, I hope that we've learned today His name is much more than just a name. It is the very power that should drive us as disciples of Jesus. I think it's only appropriate to close with this prayer. And I'll paraphrase it in a more modern sense. But let's think as you... I I say these words, just think about these as we pray to God, as we pray to Elohim. Elohim, mighty Creator, You have made us a new creation through Your Son, Jesus Christ. You have filled us with Your Holy Spirit. You have given us a message to take to this world. A message of reconciliation. But the nations rage. The hearts of mankind plot evil in vain. And our enemy uses technology and the wisdom of this world to fight against you. Your truth is ignored or worse, turned into religions that mislead humanity. Consider their motives and enable us to speak your message with great boldness and Christ-like compassion. Do miracles through your name and the name of Jesus. Shake our hearts and our minds to remove all complacency. Fill us with your word through your Holy Spirit to empower us to preach confidently to others your message of salvation so that one day we can all inhabit the new heaven and new earth. It is in Jesus' name, Elohim, we pray. Amen.